Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Play ball! It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Me and Eddie C. And lots of Mets stuff to get into, including a lot of good stuff, Eddie. There's uh, there's usually, you know, we're talking about one disaster after another. I think as far as opening salvos and statements go, Steve Cohen could not have done any better when he introduced himself to everybody in the Mets on Tuesday. Uh, Mets fans, I think, Sweeney, are coming down from the euphoria that they experienced <laughs> yesterday, and they're probably not all the way down, as a matter of fact. Um, that was a gaff-free press conference, which I haven't seen in years uh, with the Mets. There's always something, whether it's starting late, somebody not there, some kind of technical glitch. Uh, that went off about as smooth as you can. And I could actually, uh, there were a couple of moments, uh, there, there were a lot of moments I thought Steve Cohen had. I thought he, you know, he... Uh, uh, went back and forth with the press uh, rather amicably and also uh, flawlessly. I mean, it was uh, it w- it just went smoothly. Uh, there was no uh, uh, there was no moment where you felt uh, well he was on the defensive uh, whatever. Uh, but I, I think the the biggest moment to me was when Sandy Alderson, who followed uh, Cohen uh, on the Zoom, said that uh, we can now emphasize the acquisition rather than the cost. I think I could hear Met fans' chairs like falling all over yeah. the uh, tri-state area when when that, because basically that's all they've wanted to hear for years, uh, just to, to, to be in the game, to have a chance. And I think the, the other thing that came out of yesterday is the word monitoring is now out of the Mets' language. That used to be the key byword for for the Mets on a trade, on a free agent. We're monitoring the situation. Okay, what does that mean? Well, that means we don't have enough money to actually go out and get this guy, and he's not going to come here, but we're going to monitor the situation. If it gets to dire straits somewhere and we can steal the guy, okay, then we'll then we'll get him. I think you can forget about that with Steve Cohen uh, being aboard uh, because he's, he's in it to win it. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, and there were so many things that just made him come off as likable. And like I thought for a moment that he seemed very accessible. And I don't know how often he's going to do these things, but he seemed very accessible and open and just kind of genuine in his interactions with everybody. Um, and, you know, he, he came across as the billionaire next door. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, I, I, I know he's not just one of us. But right. he, for a few moments, he kind of came across as one of us. Yeah. No, he's, he's a fan. Uh, he's a fan first and foremost. And he made that very, very clear. You know, he, he said, you know, what I do believe is this is a major market team, which should have a budget commensurate with that. And I think that's all Met fans have ever really wanted to hear. You're in New York. You know, uh, yes, the Yankees are here. And he also, he deflected the Yankee stuff, too. He says, I'm not, 
I'm not up against the Yankees. So I, I'm thinking DJ LeMahieu is probably safe. That's that's my guess. <laughs> I like I think we talked about last uh, last time we were together that I, I think if he's a, if he's in New York, he's going to be a Yankee. But uh, you know this this is not Mets versus Yankees and, and trying to top somebody or you know jab at somebody. He he just wants to have a good baseball team put together the right way. Uh, I haven't seen Sandy Alderson this relaxed in a long yeah. time. Sandy, uh, and I and I felt good for him because when you consider you know the uh, uh, the physical problems and the medical problems that he went through, which kind of ended his his tenure here and all the ups and downs that he had during his, you know, basically eight or nine years as, as the general manager of the Mets, uh, you know, getting him to the world series and that, and, and there were some high moments, but there were also some, you know, some really low ones too. And he, anytime there was a, a press conference or just, you know, a meeting in the hallway where he met the media, he always had to kind of walk on eggshells. Uh, you know, there, there was always the elephant in the room and, uh, and that was the Will Ponds uh, as, as a whole and as an organization. And he had to be careful what he said and not go into the money aspect of it. Uh, you know, not say I can't do that because of this. Uh, so he was, he was free and loose yesterday. It was, it was great to see, you know, the way he responded to questions. And there were a couple of times he says, I, I think I'm talking too much here. I think I'm <laughs> Stop. And I don't know if we ever heard that from from Sandy, but it was it was good to see with both guys yesterday. Yeah, it's it's almost like, and I sat in you know countless of the the winter meetings briefings with Sandy Alderson in the yeah. Mets suite every year, and you know though that's all about acquisition. You know, there there's all during the year you have other issues, things like that, but at the winter meetings, it's all about who are you getting and what are you going to do for next year, what are you going to do to improve next year. And as you said, always walking on eggshells, almost taking bullets for ownership. He was a lot freer yesterday and just sounded, you know, invigorated, like he was ready for this next step. And, you know, you you could easily see a world where Sandy Alderson was just going to go do whatever he's going to do and walk off into retirement. This was not the Sandy Alderson you heard yesterday. It was almost like, hey, fresh start. Let's get this thing going again. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask him and didn't get a chance uh, yesterday, and I, I hope I will at some point in time, I wondered whether this was for him a coming back to finish what what he couldn't finish the last time or whether this is something totally new. It, you know, it's obviously a different organization. It's a different owner. Uh, but I always felt that, uh, you know, Sandy felt like he didn't quite finish things. He did get to the World Series. They did get to a, a wild card game the next year, but but that was it during his tenure here. Uh, and I just wondered whether it, it was one of those things where he wants to come back and kind of finish it off this way or this, whether this was something totally new. My guess is it would be something totally new just because it's, it's Steve Cohen and the landscape is so much different than what it was before. Uh, but it would be interesting to, to hear his answer. I, you get the sense that he's not going to do this for you know seven or eight more years. Uh, it, it's going to be a couple of years. But I, I think you know when he gets um, – things in order and things are flowing right, you know, he, he may step aside and become a, you know, president emeritus or, uh, you know, an advisor uh, down the line. That timetable you talk about, it's actually, there are two missteps, uh, if I'm going to count, that Steve Cohen had yesterday. Okay. And one of them is about this timetable. You know, he kind of got trapped. You know, the question was asked and, you know, smart people figure out how to walk around the question. Okay. And he's a smart person, but he kind of walked into this answer. If I don't win a World Series in the next three to five years, I would consider that 
slightly disappointing. He put the time frame out there, and I'm shocked that he walked himself into that trap. Uh, yeah, well, he's a confident guy. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's why Billions was tailored after him, <laughs> right? Bobby Axelrod. Uh, but at, at the same, yeah, I would agree with you. You know, that's uh, any kind. Anytime you get into it, you know, it, uh, at least it wasn't two to three years, uh, yeah. which you know makes it uh, tight. But I, I think you know, in his mind, I, I was going back over that later, uh, and in his mind, I think what he looks at is say a Jacob Degrom. Uh, and that's probably the time frame that you have with Degrom is you know three to five years. He's probably that's probably the elite time that Jacob Degrom has left. Uh, I think he can go a little bit beyond your normal guy. You know, Jake is thirty-two now, but you know he's uh, his innings count is down because he started late. But uh, and I think that's probably what he's thinking. You know, at some point in time, uh, we we want to get a world championship here. You know, while he's still a major part of this. But I, I agree with you. Yeah, anytime you get into time frame it, it's difficult it's hard the other one eddie it i might be picking nits here and maybe trying to twist things a certain way but it's just a matter of looking at it from the other side when he says i'm essentially doing it for the fans i'm not trying to make money here you know that's aching to bite you in the butt when you raise prices on something or something that goes something on the business side doesn't go in favor of the fans or something is deemed too expensive that quote right there could potentially come back to bite you in the butt. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Steve Cohen does as far as the the nature of City Field. Uh, you know, he didn't uh, get into that a lot yesterday, and uh, nor nor should he have. Uh, there, there were other more pressing questions to answer, but it, he strikes me as the type of person, as a fan, and that's what he says he is. You know, first and foremost, he's a lifelong fan. Uh, you know, he knows that, you know, Met fans have been shortchanged over the last few years. Prices have gone up at City Field uh, like they have everywhere. I'm not just saying there, but, you know, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of, uh, you know, discount, so to speak, what, what that he might might put in there. You know, is he going to lower prices at the beginning and, you know, inv- invite and entice people back in? Uh, the only way you're actually going to get people there on a regular basis and a consistent basis is to win. I, I, he realizes that. We all realize that. But, uh, you know, some of the things you can do, and he seems willing to do at least at the beginning because of the way he responds on social media to the fans and responds rather quickly. That's a good idea. I like that. We should do that. Yeah. Old timers day. Yeah. Let's do that. And, uh, but when you put those, when you factor those things into the mix, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he approaches that with, uh, you know, with the fans themselves and getting them back to city field and, uh, you know, stirring up the masses, so to speak. I, you know, off yesterday, I think, you know, Met fans are, will be clamoring to, to get the city field and to watch this team. And, and honestly, if they go out and do some of the things they, you know, they, I believe they'll do, uh, th- this is going to be a, a very good team next year. You know, you know, the, the, here's one thing, Sweeney, just, uh, quickly on, uh, and again, you know, he said, I think at one point we are going to spend, uh, there's no question. We're not going to go out and spend like drunken sailor. Yeah. That was, uh, Great you know, line. Yeah, an ode to uh, to the other owners as well, because that's something in the back of their minds they were thinking all along, and why some people may have voted against him. But I I do think it's almost um, it almost works against him in a way this off season because the three areas, the three real areas where the Mets really need help, you have the premier free agents, you have Real Muto behind the plate, 
You have George Springer in center field. You have Trevor Bauer on the mound. They could use all three of those guys, all, all three of them. And, that, and, and those would be – that's not excess. That's not piling on. That, that's exactly what they need. And so you couldn't, you, you couldn't actually blame him if you went out and got all three. But he's kind of hindered a little bit because you can't do that because the other owners are going to go, hey, what the heck is going on here? You, know, you said you wouldn't spend like a Dortmund sailor. And uh, so we'll see what he ends up doing with that. I think the idea would be you've got to be involved with all three, but he's got to land one. He's got to land one to, one, start improving the team, make a real impact, because as you said, Trevor Bauer, George Springer, JT Realmuto all would dramatically affect this team uh, and improve the team. But it's also got to be one of those three to signal what he's talking about to the fans. It doesn't have to be all three, but you can't come away from this winter, talk what you talked, and not land one of them, not, not go forward. Maybe it takes an extra year. Maybe it takes an extra however many million. Maybe it might be a bad deal on the surface because of what it costs, but you've got to get one of those three. I, I totally agree with you. You're absolutely right. I, I was kind of taken aback when Sandy talked about Bauer. Um, and it didn't surprise me on one level because Sandy has often said, this is an entertainment business. He says, we're here to entertain the fans. That's the way he's always looked at it. And Bauer is a very entertaining figure. Uh, I mean, there's no question that he is going to create headlines if he comes to New York, but I was taken a little bit back that I mean, he basically said, Hey, I think he'd be great here in New York, you know, <laughs> and he'd look great in a Mets uniform. And I, I, I've never heard him or, or a lot of general managers say that, uh, to a free agent, but he did, uh, um, you know, to me, anyway, I've said, I, I think the, the prevalent feeling with a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, a lot of media uh, critics and uh, those of us in the media field that, that Springer might be the guy because, you know, Connecticut kid, he's got postseason experience and that. It's dangerous to go out and spend a lot of money on a long-term contract on a catcher like Real Muto because, you know, where can you go if he starts to break down a little bit? But to me, I, I think the guy to get is Real Muto. That's, that's just me. Um, uh, he's a right-handed bat. He helps you both ways, defensively and offensively. And, and I don't know Springer because I haven't been around him as much. I, I sense that he's the same kind of clubhouse presence that Real Muto would, would be, but I know Real Muto is. Uh, I know what he means to a club and to have him in the clubhouse. And the Mets have Robbie Cano, who's been very good in that regard, but Robbie Cano's getting older. Uh, and Michael Conforto is growing into that role. But you put, to me, Real Muto in that clubhouse, he instantly becomes your leader, your man, your guy behind the plate, your the guy who sets the tone. And that's why I would go for him. That's, that's just me. And I, but I understand all the other stuff about, you know, putting that much money and that much or that many years into a position that, that it may not hold up for. Sandy's comments about Trevor Bauer intriguing to me also, but I also remember that he's not allowed to say he's not interested in a free agent. When you're asked specifically about a player, it's against the CBA, and some guys have gotten caught in that. You're not allowed to depress the market. That's the way the union would see it. If you say you're not interested, two years ago, the Yankees were not in on Bryce Harper, and Brian Cashman repeatedly said no specifically about the player. He said they weren't looking at outfielders. He says no specifically about the player. Scott Boris placed a call to the union and said he's depressing the market for this player, 
the next day, and this is all at the winter meetings, Brian Cashman came out and said, uh, we're fully operational Death Star. Uh, and it was about, you know, it got a lot of play, but it was about, yeah, they can spend. He didn't say that they were specifically interested in the player, but he's not allowed to say he's not interested in the player. So you're walking a line. Yes, Sandy gushed about Trevor Bauer, but he's also not allowed to say he's not interested. Yeah, that's a, that's interesting. I, I thought the other uh, line that well made me laugh probably made a lot of people laugh too. Uh, Scott Boris has taken shots at the Mets <laughs> yeah. all the time in the yeah. offseason about what aisle of the supermarket yeah. shopping in fruits and nuts and uh, you know uh, and uh, he says can he was asked about can you can you now shop in the gourmet section? He says, well, I got to find it first. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been able to look at the gourmet section for a long time, uh, but I, I, I think he'll be able to find it. I, I think Steve Cohen will lead him directly there for sure. So as we get into the off-season business for real now, the Mets have taken care of one of those. They extended a qualifying offer to Marcus Stroman, and uh, just shortly before we record this, Stroman tweeted out that he's accepting it, and Steve Cohen actually tweeted back to him, hey, nice to have you aboard, I'll give you a call soon. Um, falling in line, not right behind Jacob deGrom, but he helps fill out the rotation for 2021. Yeah, he does. And uh, listen, he's, uh, you know, Marcus had, uh, well, he had a so-so year last year, not last year, but the year year before when he came over in the second half at, after the uh, trading deadline. And he opted out, obviously, uh, you know, last year. Um, and that was, you know, shortly after he became eligible for uh, to become a free agent, which, you know, I think uh, ruffled a few feathers. That's just my feeling. But, you know, nonetheless, they need help in the rotation, uh, period. They don't, they don't need just one or two pitchers. They probably need three pitchers. I mean, behind DeGrom, you have David Peterson, basically, who did a terrific job as a rookie. But he was thrust into, you know, accepting that role and going out there and proving himself. He won six games, and he pitched very well. He came out of the bullpen one time and pitched well. But he's more, I think, at this stage of his career, a fifth starter. So you've got one at the top and one at the bottom. And you've got, you know, three spots in between. So this helps. There's no question about that. But they... That, again, it's one of their big needs, pitching, and, and it may be their most pressing need, despite the fact they really don't have a catcher in the system. And they do have a center fielder, but Springer, obviously, with the right-handed bat against a left-handed prevalent outfield, you know, fits the bill out there. But uh, but this, yeah, it definitely helps, uh, you know, having a strong little board. And Trevor Bauer's free agency is going to, you know, get a little more of a jump start after he, you know, presumably wins the Cy Young Award. Uh, you can add that trophy, and people can talk about whatever they want to talk about in a shortened season, whatever. It was a phenomenal year. But, you know, I, Jacob deGrom is a finalist here, and I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts on just what he's been able to do these last few years. I mean, he's in a, a short group here that has a chance to extend into Hall of Fame conversation. When you win a couple of Cy Young Awards, you know, two Cy Young Awards, there's a lot of guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame and didn't come close because they didn't extend beyond that. Johan Santana, Brett Sabreg, and I shouldn't say a lot of guys, but there's a handful of guys who had Hall of Fame track and they weren't able to follow up on it after those peak prime years. DeGrom, as you mentioned, doesn't have a lot of innings on that arm compared to other guys his age. He has been phenomenal to watch, and and you get to see it up close all the time. Just wondering what you think about what you're watching right now from him and what it has the potential to become. I, I think that Jake is the type of pitcher that when he gets in a system and a pattern, 
every five days. Uh, he's very ordered in what he does. Uh, he throws a couple of bullpens between starts. A lot of guys don't do that. Uh, some people, you know, throw every day a little bit, uh, but a lot of pitchers, you know, have that one bullpen session before. He likes to do two uh, because it makes him feel sharp, and he does throw either lawn toss or whatever every day. He throws a lot in the offseason. I think last year really messed him up, even though he pitched, I thought, pretty much yeah. superbly most of the time. I mean, you, you certainly wouldn't throw that uh, out with the trash, what he did last year. But for him, it was a disappointment. Uh, yes, he wanted to win a third straight Cy Young, but I don't think he pitched to that level. And I think Trevor Bauer deserves it. I think you know, even Jake would, would tell you that. Uh, but at the same time, when he can go from start to finish, spring training normal. Now, again, what's it going to be like next yeah. year? I don't know. But if you had a normal season, he just falls in line. You can see it happening during spring training that, that everything kind of falls in line for him. And he struggles a little bit at the beginning of the season, and then he just kicks it in. And every start after that usually is just, okay, you know what you're going to get from Jake, at least seven innings and, you know, nine or 10 strikeouts and whatever. It, it just rolls like that. And that continues into the postseason if indeed they do get there. So I, I think there's a lot of high ground for him to cover here over the next few years. And uh, I think uh, it's, he's very determined to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, and I, I think he will be. I think that's very important to him at this point in time. Um, and I, I think ultimately he wants to win. You know, he wants to get back into the postseason. You, you forget a lot of times, or because it's, what, now five years going on six, 2015, all those, all those guys are very young, all right? You know, DeGrom, Syndergaard. Syndergaard and Mats came up that season, all right? Uh, so they, they were all, they, this is great. This is going to happen every year. No, it doesn't happen every year. So he wants to get back there and win and uh, and be part of kind of resurrecting this this franchise a lot. He'll, uh, I, I I think he's he's going to take off and and kind of you know burnish his Hall of Fame credentials. You know, if I can say one other thing about you know you mentioned about the like the rotation and and that I think even even without Bauer, to me, I think the Mets can you know go out and get or at least investigate Charlie the Charlie Mortons, mm -hmm. the Taiwan Walkers. Um, yep. Uh, even the Corey Klubers, people like that, uh, that, you know, might be certainly high-end starters for you. And uh, Morton, not on a bounce back. He's been good. But Kluber, it would be a bounce back. But other guys that, that you can bring up, uh, you know, even, you know, Tanaka. If, uh, you know, who know, I don't know what the situation is with the Yankees. It's not trying to steal him. But, you know, look at a guy like that. I, I think they, there are enough guys out there that they can fill in the rotation, even if they don't get Trevor Bauer. That's just my feeling. And I'm looking at guys, I've talked to some agents about guys out there who they think are good one-year gambles, even if they didn't have good seasons or haven't mm -hmm. finished pitch lately. John Lester, Chris Archer are two guys that fall into that category where, you know, the the old regime, but you did see a gamble on this with guys like Porcello and Waka, things like that. If you can get yep. a one-year gamble, that might be something to fill out the back end, but it's not in place of, you know, the old regime would put this in place of Trevor Bauer. Uh, yeah. This is, you know, this is in addition to, if you can land somebody like that. Yeah. To me, uh, listen, I, I would even take, I don't think they're, they're going to do it, uh, but I would even take a gamble on a Porcello again. I, yeah. I don't, you know, Rick is the kind of guy to me uh, and I don't know him well, we never, we didn't get to know players last yeah. year. So, you know, we're, we're watching from afar and zooming everything, but he strikes me as the kind of guy that, you know, uh, probably from 
day one of the offseason, started his work back to become what he was before. That was very disappointing to him to come to the Mets, a team that he that he uh, you know grew up watching and loved, and uh, and to put in that kind of season. So I you know I would even go back and take a gamble on a guy like that. And there are other guys that you know from your league, Mike Miner, another example. You know that. Probably didn't have a great year last year, but he, you know, a good pitcher, Garrett Richards, who's been hurt before, you know, guys like that, that, you know, you can investigate and look at and certainly, you know, would, would help your rotation as a three or a four or something like that, that uh, they can certainly help you. Well, um, at some point, I hope things get back to normal so you can walk the backfields at Port St. Lucie or through the crowd at City Field and hear, hey, Sandy, Sandy, will you sign? <laughs> Sandy Alders is back, and there yeah. they are for you, right? He got me yesterday, as a, as a matter of fact. With the, uh, he said, I thought I, I thought I was looking in the mirror. No, <laughs> <laughs> there are said, a, we should explain. There are a legion of fans who just think you are Sandy Alderson walking around, right? Yeah, and I, I've often told them, I said, I I can ruin your career if you're. If, <laughs> it'd be good to me, you guys. Like I can have these fans turn on you in a minute uh, just by what I say to them. Uh, uh, he kind of acknowledged that yesterday. Was funny. He's a Walgreens guy, though. I'm a CVS. Uh, mm. Mm. kind of guy. Hey, you know, one thing I, I wanted to mention uh, before we go, uh, a good friend of ours uh, is really hurting right now, Mike Shalen. Uh, a Boston guy, also, you know, New York guy too, but, mm. uh, you know, he's he's been in Boston for a long time. Mike has has brain cancer, and uh, we got that word. I didn't know that, Sweeney. Uh, that that stunned me when I when I got that news, and uh, Mike always made me laugh. Uh, he was, and I, I just wanted to tell a, a story that I, I always remember about you. Mike Shalen, if, if people don't know, is a, a big hulking guy. Uh, and the, the last time I remember him had kind of like a drooping mustache mm-hmm. or whatever, but uh, he's a little intimidating, but he is the nicest guy in the world. Completely. He's a big teddy bear. Uh, he's just that kind of guy that uh, you want to go up and hug, whatever, but he kind of looks a little intimidating. And we were a bunch of us, I can't even remember where we were. We're sitting around and we're talking about music and concerts we'd like to see and what we're, you know, what we want to go see and what's coming up and everything. And it got to Mike and he said, yeah, he says, I'm excited. He says, I can't wait. He says, I can't wait for the air supply <laughs> this fall. And you could, you, you could have just <laughs> dropped the pin at that point. Everyone looked at air supply. It was like Mike Shalen and air supply. It was like the total... A total non sequitur, and uh, he says, "Yeah, he says I, I love air supply." Yeah, <laughs> uh, two two guys who were easy listening kind of music or whatever. It was uh, very un Mike Shalen, but I, I always remember that about Mike, and we had a good laugh about that. I I, I wish him Godspeed and the best. Uh, it was tough news to hear, though. Yeah, and uh, seeing him all the time at Fenway Park, it's always fun. Um, my, the thing that I think of, uh, there's a book on my shelf right behind me. Uh, it's a biography of Don Mattingly that Mike Shalen wrote a few years ago. And although he's been um, you know, based out of Boston and worked in Boston for all these years, he worked, I believe it was with the New York Post years and years yep. ago, yep. Uh, covered the Yankees for a little bit. And he told, this book only came out, I want to say maybe five or six years ago. And I remember him telling me the story of, just how he worked about it, worked it out with Don Mattingly. He said, "Hey, listen, I want to write a book about you." And Mattingly said, "What do you need? You know, what can I do for you?" And you know, that was the, all the negotiation right there. And um, it's on my shelf. It's um, you know, it's one of the. And I think about when you think about likable people and how other people treat other people. This is, I think, of Mike Shalen and Don Mattingly like that. I think you know, it it was a perfect fit for those two. And uh, that told me all I need to know about both guys. And that's kind of what I 
That's a, that's a match made in heaven. And hey, how about Don Mattingly being manager, manager of, the of the year? Right. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's tremendous. For, he deserves it. Well deserved. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that, that's good to hear. That's, uh, that, that's fitting, too, that, that Mike wrote a book about him as well, too. So. Yeah. Uh, all the best prayers to uh, Mike Shalin and his family. And uh, we, uh, well, well I, I don't know if the news will be good or not, but at some point we'll hear something and uh, okay. uh, best to all of them. Eddie, um, we will do this again. We did some stuff on the air. We do some stuff here. And uh, listen, it's a busy off season and we've both got things to talk about in an off season for a change. Hopefully this might be a longer off season because you know, the, the situation hasn't changed as far as the market. This might get dragged out quite a bit. We'll see what kind of impact Steve Cohen makes in an, in a market economy that is anything but normal. He, it might be a drop in the bucket to him. So he might strike, you know, he might be Cobra Kai, strike hard, strike first, you know? So uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, the uh, tell me if there's a DH. That's all. That's all I ask. Hey, <laughs> let me know about that. And the only thing I do know is I won't have to monitor anything anymore. <laughs> okay, you can actually uh, report on something, which will be good. You can monitor us on WFAN.com. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law